Hi folks, David Lynham here. Welcome to another Block 101 podcast. Thanks for joining me. So what's been going on this week? Uh, it's been a busy one. It's been an exciting one. So uh, big news, big news of the week. It sounds like um, we're going to be going live at TPC, the Ticketing Professionals Conference. So we're going to be doing Block 101 live throughout the conference, which is going to be awesome. Um, so what does that mean? We are going to be recording live episodes of the podcast during the conference. We're going to be getting people to come in, um, tell us what they're thinking uh, about the conference. We're going to be talking to them about their roles. Um, going to be doing it all live, so uh, that's going to be fun. Not much time for rehearsals and pre-planning, so what could possibly happen, who knows. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun doing it. Um, so we're just working out how that's even going to work uh, to start with in principle um, and then try and get an idea of, of you know how we're going to structure it and, and who is going to be coming on and, and who we're going to be talking to. Um, a lot of it's going to be I think ad hoc and on the fly um, and just getting people's reactions from around the conference as well. I'm looking forward to it. It's a bit of a first. I've never known this to happen at any other ticketing or event style conference uh, you know within our industry. Um, so that's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, I'll let you know more as I find out more. So if you haven't got your ticket already, make sure you sort that bit out. Um, if you haven't got your ticket, go back a couple of episodes. Uh, there's a, I think I've called it a bonus episode on the podcast where I do a little preview of the conference, talk about some of the sessions I'm looking forward to, um, sort of seeing a, and, and taking part in as a delegate as well. Um, and there's a little discount code at the end. So if you want to get yourself some money off, if you've not booked already, make sure you check out that episode, find the discount code and get yourself uh, money off entry to the conference. Um, so that's in Birmingham, 25th to 27th of March uh, is when it takes place. But um, yeah, go and find the other episode and everything you need to know is there. So that's that taken care of. So that's my big news from this week. Um, what else have I been up to? Well, I've been spending a lot of time this week talking to uh, people at football clubs, uh, a lot of non-league football club chairmen, um, which has been interesting as it always is, um, talking about next season, talking about plans, talking about you know what we can do for them as Kaizen, trying to grow our business. Um, and there's a lot of exciting things uh, at play at the moment. So uh, as always, you know I'll keep you posted on that as they evolve. Um, so that kind of leads me to this podcast today and, and the content around it and. Um, I found over the conversations I've been having this week, um, I always say there's three different types of non-league football clubs. So you've got the club that are the, the big aimers, the high achievers, they've got a plan to work their way through the leagues, work up and one day become a football league club. Um, that's one type of club. You've got clubs that are kind of coming the opposite direction. So maybe they, you know, they were once a, a big club in the football league and times have changed and they're now sort of finding their, their place in the non-league um, and just sort of readjusting but still operating uh, like a very professional outfit um, because you know that's what the club is used to, it's what the fans are used to. Uh, and then you've got the third type which is just you know the club that have found their level, they're quite happy with their level um, and they're not trying to sort of pull up trees or, or do anything you know too, too, um, too different or difficult and they're quite happy sustaining as they are. And you know, none of those are, are right or wrong. Every club has their reason for doing what they do. But it's really interesting. I find it fascinating talking to uh, the people running some of these clubs 
um, and just sort of how they, they approach revenue generation, how you know, they think about the money coming through or, or how they um, propose to, to make money. Um, and that's where ticketing comes in. And you know, I don't know when this one's going to go out, but it may be you know, a week or a couple of weeks ago, Paul Williamson came on. Um, and so definitely make sure you go back and check out that episode as well. And Paul was talking about his role uh, as he sees it now and a, a lot of the work he does is uh, going into organizations and really selling the value of ticketing, uh, you know, the, the revenue generation side of it, the impact. If you don't think about your ticketing operation and what it can do for you in terms of the way it can help you to make money, the impact if you get it wrong on other parts of your match day operation and other sources of revenue as well. Um, you know, ticketing really is at the heart of it. Um, and, you know, it kind of got me thinking we, we need to do a better job of selling that um, to the clubs that we deal with, to the potential clubs we deal with. Um, because I think whilst a lot of clubs, particularly in non-league now, are starting to see why this could be helpful and this is useful, uh, there are still lots and lots that don't. Um, and I think we can do a better job of, of helping them to understand um, the impact and the benefit of getting your ticketing right. Um, so that kind of leads through to you know, what I'm going to talk about today and you know, talking to all of these people um, from different clubs. A lot of same similar types of questions came up. Uh, some of them are questions I've, I've been answering from day one when I had this crazy idea of, of kicking you know, Kaizen off and, and trying to, to help non-league clubs um, to generate more revenue. And some were, were pretty new and it kind of got me thinking a bit. So um, the first one, and this is probably the classic, the one that always uh, came up in the early days and, and still comes up now when I talk to people, you know, we haven't done this before. Why do we even need to think about it? Uh, we don't need a ticketing system. You can just turn up and pay on the day. Well, you can. And I'm sure for, for, for many years, you'll still be able to. Um, there aren't many non-league clubs that sell out every week. Um, however, you also need to think about the, the impact of, of not doing this. So what are, are those, those problems? So first and foremost, you have to think about, you know, lots of non-league clubs will just take cash on the turnstile, uh, which is fine. Um, they may offer an option for you to pay by credit card, but that's few and far between, if I'm honest. Um, so you, firstly, you just create a barrier. You're forcing everybody to bring cash. Uh, and some people carry cash and I know a lot of younger people don't carry cash or it's a, a pain to have to go to the cash machine to specifically get cash out um, just so you can go to a football match. Uh, so that can sometimes turn people off. I think there's the element of safety, which I've spoken about, I'm sure, on previous podcasts in terms of lots of cash in a turnstile. You become a target, um, even if you're moving that cash throughout the, 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 the afternoon before the game starts, someone is still having to carry that from the gate to the safe. And, you know, you again are making people targets and, and that's not cool, you know, especially when you've got so many people that are volunteers as well around clubs. Um, you know, you, you volunteer to help your club, but you don't want to put people in danger. Um, and I'm not scaremongering here, it's a, it's a reality. Uh, so, you know, if you can avoid that, that's always great. And that's always going to be one of my, my big arguments for 
you know, helping people to reduce the amount of cash handling needed. There's obviously a time element there as well. It takes people to move that cash around, to bring it to the bank on the Monday or Tuesday after. Um, so that can always be a problem as well. Um, obviously, you get the commitment. And, and for me, that's one of the big ones. You know, if people decide they're going to go to a game on the Wednesday and they buy their ticket because you know they've been speaking with their friends and they say right let's get the ticket sorted and you know then you know for some reason they don't turn up they can't make it they've been out the night before and feeling a little bit worse for wear they look out the window it's a little bit miserable i don't fancy it well i've paid for my ticket now so one of two things happens i don't turn up and the club keeps the cash win or they do turn up because they've got the ticket. And when they turn up, they're probably gonna spend a bit more money, whether that's on food and drink or buying a program or buying a scarf. But all of these things are interlinked. Um, and slowly we're helping clubs to see that, but it's not obvious because, you know, if your ground holds 5,000 and maybe you're only selling two or 3,000 a week, you've obviously got a bit of spare capacity in there. So it would be natural to think, why on earth do I need to get people to book in advance? And of course, not everybody will. And that's not the aim of the game. It's to have that option there so that you're not putting barriers in the way for people that are thinking about coming to a game. Maybe your first time fans, your new fans, um, you know, there's people will go online to get information. And if you give people good information and a way of converting that to a sale, then obviously everybody wins. Um, so a couple of times I came up against the next one, which kind of made me feel a little bit ill because um, I've heard this before, but not for a long, long time, probably in the previous life. Um, and that's like, we'll just develop it in-house or we have had a go at developing it ourselves, um, which is you know kind of good and bad for me. At least you see the value in it to, to have a go at doing it yourself. Um, but it comes back to the whole uh, thing of you know ticketing, how hard can it be? You just need to sell some stuff and people turn up and there's nothing to think about in between. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, I've obviously got strong feelings on that. It's no coincidence that people build businesses out of ticketing events. Uh, and it's not something I'd recommend you just try and do yourself with no prior experience. Um, because there are lots and lots of things at play that, you know, as service providers, we don't even expose to our customers because it doesn't need to be a hassle or a problem for them. And they're paying us to, to deal with that for them. Um, so, you know, having a go at doing it yourself, for me, it's kind of a positive that you're, you're seeing the, a need to do something. But, you know, I think please, like, I can't remember the saying, I'll butcher it if I try, but you see these things online about, you know, when you hire or you pay for professionals or you pay for amateurs and sort of the job that you get at the end of it, you know, just doing it yourself is, is, is not, not a great way to, to get into it. And kind of linked into that then is the next one um, where uh, one particular club I spoke to said, you know, we, we had a go at doing it ourselves, but it doesn't really work for us. Uh, you know, it's not really, no one's really buying. And I kind of had a look after and I, with the best will in the world, I can understand why no one's really buying. It was pretty difficult to understand the news. It wasn't particularly clear. Um, and that's where, again, getting, uh, you know, a more professional outfit in to do the job for you is probably going to have, uh, no, not probably, definitely going to have uh, a much better impact on your conversion rates because you know we've done this before we know what converts we know what works we can guide people through a purchase process so much easier we can make it easy for people to find what they need um, 
so of course it's not working for you because you know you, you're trying to hash it together yourself and you know that's not going to work so I'm, I'm not that surprised at that one um, but again you know this is on us to demonstrate the value to show people a better way um, so you know that's the the challenge that we face and that's all good um, the next one for me is almost like the question that I've now started to ask in this scenario uh, and you know I think it's this is for me, what needs to become more of the, the public conversation for clubs is how much money are you not making by either not doing this or bodging it together? Um, because for me, I've got you know so much uh, proof now, uh, so many case studies, so many testimonials of clubs that we've worked with for, for years. And it takes years because this isn't a quick fix, uh, but there are so many good stories now that I can tell um, of clubs that we've worked with, where we've helped to generate more revenue, where we've helped to increase the order value, where you know we're seeing um, increased in attendances, and that's not solely down to us. You know the team needs to be playing well, but you also do need to keep your fans engaged um, because at points in the season the team will have a little dip. So how do you keep people coming uh, and you know sort of engaged during those periods? You know, having a, a good marketing strategy, having a, a ticketing site that is easy for people to use and can convert, or maybe a site a bit like what we do at Kaizen, a, a, a way of you know getting people to come back for other things that you know aren't just tickets. Uh, it just keeps people engaged with the club. Um, all of this, you know, for me is. But if you're not doing these things, if you're not even thinking about these things, you are throwing away money. The amount of cash you're not making um, by just neglecting this area, um, it can be quite costly. And you know that does take time. It's a bit of an education process as well. Um, so it's not the sort of thing that you're just going to stick online and then all of a sudden see loads of money in the bank. And you know that would be fantastic, but it's not realistic. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to start asking this question a little bit more and, and pointing to, to the, the good stories that we've accumulated now over the years. Um, the slightly worrying one that I came up uh, against a few times was we've got a free option, um, but yeah, it's not, not great. And again, it kind of goes back to the original or the other point I had around um, we'll just do it ourselves. You know, you, you do, I find, get what you pay for, um, which means you know you don't need to be extortionate, um, but certainly if you're going to pay, then you're going to get something of a better quality than if you get something for nothing. You know, there's there's a reason why it's free, um, and so you know I can't think of a, a, what I've seen a good system that costs absolutely nothing, um, and why someone would even do that in the first place. Um, so that's kind of. Uh, for me, when I hear that, it does make me wince a little bit. Um, we're a business. We're not in the business of giving away stuff for free. So, you know, if the, if the free stuff is working for you, then, then you crack on and, and wish you all the best. But um, it's going to have its limitations. And, you know, you, you pay for the, the support and for the ability or the, the access to people. You can pick up the phone and say, hey, we're thinking about doing this. Have you ever seen any clubs do this? Can you help us? You know, that's all part of our service. Um, and so yeah, for me, that's not something you're gonna get for free. Um, 
And then the last one, uh, and again, this uh, I think Paul touched on this actually when he was uh, doing the podcast, uh, and it made me laugh because I just sort of thought, well, it's almost like history repeating itself. Uh, when he was talking about the early days of Synchro and he was selling the whole the concept of collecting data even before the days of email, um, you know, again, probably quite ahead of the curve there, understanding that data collection was important or was going to be important to clubs in the future. And, you know, now it, I'd argue it's 100 times more important because what you can do with that data, um, again, leads to money, leads to revenue for the club over time, of course. And, um, you know, people uh, nowadays have to opt in to, to wanting to, to hear from you. Um, but, you know, let's be honest, most people, if they are supporters of the club, then they probably are going to be interested in hearing from you. Um, and if you've got interesting things to talk to them about or other things that they could potentially buy from you, then you know you start this cycle uh, going and, and you start to get that repeat custom um, and you start to build up a bit of a relationship with your fans, then you know good things start to happen. Um, so again, kind of thinking about this, this is our job. We need to start educating clubs or continuing to educate clubs. Um, that there is so much you can do with the data you collect. It's really important we collect the right kind of data because, you know, I hear this phrase a lot and sometimes it has the opposite effect where clubs want to just collect as much as they possibly can about everything and everyone. And I don't think that's particularly helpful. But again, you know, it comes back to this is what you pay for. If you're working with a company like ours, we would sit down with you and work out, well, what is it you want to try and get to and help you work out the data you need to get there. Um, and then start to you know, look at patterns, look at trends. We can understand a little bit more about who's going to be interested in what uh, and help you with your marketing. Um, so yeah, that, that was like, for me, a bit of a summary of my week, to be honest. Um, found myself talking about these things quite a bit. Um, and it's all good. I think we're seeing a, a bit of a change in, in the non-league world uh, and a bit of a change of attitude. Um, and people are now starting to, to see other clubs having success. There's quite a, a few. We've got a nice collection of success stories now as well, which is great. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, for me in a nutshell what I've been up to. Um, so hopefully you've got some value out of that. If you're a non-league club and you're thinking about doing all of this, have a chat with me. You know, uh, you can contact us through the website. You can contact me through LinkedIn. You've got my phone number on the site as well. More than happy to have a chat with you about how we can try and help you out. Um, hopefully you got some value out of this. Hopefully you're finding it useful. Um, plenty more podcasts to come. Got a few more interviews coming through as well, which is all good. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to and slightly nervous about Block 101 Live, whatever that actually means. And I'll be telling you more about that over the coming weeks uh, once I know what that is. Um, so if you've been enjoying the podcast, uh, I'm going to ask a lot more of this. Please uh, drop me, uh, you know, rate it or a review if you've got the time. That would be awesome. Um, and if there's anything or anyone that you think should be on here, then, you know, I'm all ears as always. It's always good to, to find new people, speak to new people. Um, and then, yeah, I've got a few more interesting guests lined up actually over the next coming weeks and, and later on this year actually as well. So uh, yeah, got some good stuff lined up. So um, until next time, uh, take care and thanks for tuning in once again. I will catch you soon. See ya.